I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5, please. And while you're turning, um, if you remember on Wednesday night, I, I mentioned that there was a, a medic that I knew um, whose son died, a 16-year-old. Remember I mentioned that Wednesday night? young man that took his own life. Well, I, I heard from them on Friday, and they asked me if I would uh, officiate the funeral. And so, Lord willing, tomorrow morning, I agreed to that. And so tomorrow morning, um, I am planning, Lord willing, to, uh, to go to Conroe. And uh, the funeral is actually going to be in Humble. And anyway, so the viewing uh, tomorrow night and then the funeral on Tuesday, and then Lord willing, I should be back Tuesday. So the funeral's at 2 o'clock, and so, you know, we're just not wired to bury our children. And, uh, and so I, I, the Lord faithfully, I have a word for them, and I was glad to hear this. I talked with the young man's mother, and, uh, and she, her words, that he was a believer. And so... Um, you know, we, we will see about some of those things, but nonetheless, it does give a family hope. And, uh, and so, you know, we're probably going to be surprised by who is there and surprised by who is not there. And, uh, and so, anyway, but I certainly covet your prayers uh, for this family. So if you would pray for me that I could have a word for them. Amen. And what I need, I need courage balanced by compassion. And that's not, that's not always easy. And so I'm, I'm just asking you for that prayer request, all right? But let's read this. Let's read something I, I think to be wonderful here. Let's read this. Second uh, Kings, thank you for turning there. Chapter 5, and uh, let's begin reading in verse 1. The Bible says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. All right, let's pray one more time. Father, thank you for this historical account, Lord, of this man, dear God, and what you did in his life and how this came to pass. Father, and I pray that you'd help me, Lord, as... I'm speaking on the outside, dear God, that your Holy Spirit would speak on the inside. And I pray that our people might be exhorted today and encouraged, Heavenly Father, in their walk with you as well. We love you today. We need you, Father. And I just pray, Lord, that your will would be done this morning at Ranchero Drive. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, as we read this, I know that you have heard about Naaman before. And, uh, and humanly speaking, there's probably no greater uh, conversion story. I mean, it is a miraculous story, is it not, if you're at all familiar with this? I mean, here is a man outwardly who possessed great character and great courage. Notice what it says. It says he was a great man with his master. That means his master had respect for him, it sounds like. And that this general, if you will, general Naaman, I'll call him, he had respect for his master. For, for the, the man whom he served, and honorable. That means that he conducted his business, he conducted his affairs, and 
he conducted his life in an honorable way that was worthy of recognition and worthy of respect. You know, when you get to hold that office, if you will, you do carry yourself a little bit differently. And you have to be mindful of the example that you're setting for others because he knew that he wouldn't be there every day, that he wouldn't be there always in his life, but, uh, but that he would, no doubt would be training his adjutants and some of those that were in his, in his uh, headquarters, so to speak, some of the other officers that were there, training him to hold that position. So he was a great example. And it says, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. You know, you know, God just does some things to confound our religion sometimes. Amen. And uh, I mean, even like him speaking to Cornelius. Here's a man in the Italian band, and that doesn't mean that he played the clarinet, all right? He was, he was a soldier in the Italian army there, in the Roman army. And yet the Lord heard his prayers after much his almsgiving and so forth. God uh, heard those things. And did something with him. And so even here, you know, God has used some lost men. Didn't he wake up a king in the middle of the night? I don't know if he had indigestion or he, he just couldn't sleep. And got over there and said, man, bring me a newspaper. And it was a year old newspaper. And got to looking over there and found, man, what, did we ever do anything for Mordecai? You know, the guy that found out about this. I mean, God is, I mean, listen. If he can use a donkey to talk, he could use me and you. Amen. Amen. That gives me hope. Amen. And, uh, and so he brought deliverance. And so it says he was a mighty man. So there's his courage and so forth. But here's the thing. Outwardly, he, he possessed great character and great courage. But inwardly, he was possessed of a great killer. And that was leprosy. You know, leprosy doesn't have a cure today. I have preached in a leper colony in India. And I've seen them without noses and without fingers and thumbs and toes and... There just is no natural cure. And so leprosy has no natural cure unless the miraculous occurs. And Naaman was going to die. His leprosy was going to do him in. He was going to die. And, and you know, and Naaman, like most people, like most lost people, when I say lost people, these are people outside the family of God. See, you just don't wake up one day and become a Christian. You just don't say, well, today I think I'm going to start being a practicing uh, Christian. It doesn't work that way because you got a past. We all have a past. And uh, that needs to be dealt with. God requireth that which is past. And so salvation comes through repentance and faith. It's yeah. the same way. Yeah, Just as it takes a man and a woman to produce new life, so too it takes the Holy Spirit, Word of God, that repentance and faith to produce new life in the heart of a believer, a, a, a believing sinner. That's, that's how that gets done. So this is a lost man. This is not a saved man. This is not a believing man. This is, this is a... Uh, a a, a, a Syrian man. He, he was a captain of the host of the king of Syria. And underneath it all, he was a leper. And like most lost people, they have the wrong idea about God. Yeah. I, I remember a young man came once to East River and uh, where I had come from. And he came there and his dad came with him to the altar. Brother Roger went down there and talked with him. And, and it wasn't long they got up and, and uh, services ended. And I asked Brother Roger about what had occurred. And he said, that young man wanted to be baptized. And, I, and, uh, and he said, so I asked him, why, why do you want to be baptized? And he said, well, I just want to go up there and see what it's like. Well, you know, you expect that from a child, mm -hmm. if, particularly if they're unchurched, they don't know anything. And uh, a, little bit, a little bit brazen, if you will, but he was curious. And so Brother Roger explained to him, no, that follows salvation. That's not the means of salvation. 
And, uh, and what we didn't know was that they were highly offended. And man, when we, we went to visit them, they wouldn't give us the time of day. Just said, man, you were rude to my son. You wouldn't baptize him. And that's what he wanted. They just were ignorant. Ignorance doesn't mean that you're stupid, amen? It just means that you're uninformed. But arrogance is the first cousin of ignorance. And together they make a bad combination. And uh, But like most folks, they, they have the wrong idea about God and about God's ways. And so I want you to see this with me. We're gonna, and we're going to look at something. But, but look with me in verse 5. I want you to see that Naaman, first of all, he brought the wrong price. Notice what it says. And the king of Syria said, go to... Go and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him. Now watch, 10 talents of silver, 6,000 pieces of gold, and 10 changes of raiment. And he figured this cure is going to be costly. So he brought everything that he thought he was going to need. You ever travel like that, amen, bring everything with you? But, but you know what? But he brought the wrong price because you and I cannot be redeemed. The soul of man cannot be redeemed with corruptible things, Peter said, such as silver and gold. But by the precious blood of the Lamb of God, as without, without spot... And without blemish, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Yeah. It's the blood of Christ that redeems men because the, our sins weren't necessarily pardoned. They were paid for. Somebody else paid the price for a debt that they did not owe. We owed a debt that we could not pay. And he paid it in our place. Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord. So, he, so Naaman here brings the wrong price. And then I want you to see he goes to the wrong person. Look verse 6. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel saying, Now when this letter is coming to thee, Behold, I have therewith sent Nathan my servant to thee that thou mayest recover him of the leprosy. Listen, no preacher, no priest, no pope, no potentate can take away our sin. Salvation's not an appeal. It's in the gospel, if you will. Amen. And, uh, it, you know, salvation's in a person, not even in a plan. It's in a person, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And... Uh, and so he comes to the wrong person. And then he has the wrong procedure. Look in verse 9 with me. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot, stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. And look what it says. Verse 11 says, Nathan was wroth. And he said, Surely, he said, I thought, I thought. Boy, that's the big one. I thought. There's that ignorance. I thought it was going to be like this. I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. Strike his hand. In other words, he's looking for something that was going to be sensational. Something that was going to be, I mean, it was just going to be marvelous to behold. Rather than go down to this river and wash. And he certainly thought he was going to the wrong place. When you, in Jordan, at this time of the year, in this context, Jordan was a swollen, muddy river. There didn't look like anything clean. That's why I said, are not Arban and Farpar better river? In other words, the water's back in Babylon. The water's back where he came from. That's where clean water is. That's not clean. I mean, Naaman was messed up. And his men say to him, Father, man, if he'd have given you some hard thing to do, see, the way that we think. They think that salvation has to be, man, I've got, I'm going to fix myself. I'm going to clean myself up. I'm going to do this. I'm going to quit that. I'm... It's all been done. It's a matter of receiving Christ by faith. By faith. Thank God. Aren't you glad it's been done? Amen. When he said it is finished, man, it really is finished. Hallelujah. There's not one thing you can add to it. To do so is actually an offense. We're going to be coming up on the quote, the season of Lent. Not in the Bible. Amen. 
and, uh, and sacrifice and chocolate and, and alcohol and chewing gum and whatever other thing, that is in no way a comparison to the sacrifice the Lord Jesus made right, right. for us. It offends God. And, uh, and so he thought he'd come to the wrong place there in verse 12. And that young man said, well, get down in there, do it. When he came out, man, his flesh was changed, was it not? So Naaman, when he obeyed by faith, he was cleansed. What a great story. But the thing I want you to see, what I want you to get a hold of this morning, is found in verse 2. What I want you to see is found in verse 2. And the title of the message this morning is, You Can Make a Difference. You can make a difference. You are able. That's what the word, that's the difference between may and can. May has to do with permission. Can has to do with ability. We Americans, I don't know about Texans, but Americans, they kind of throw those two words around like they're the same and they are not. You play that game, Mother May I, that's a permission. Mother can I, that has to do with ability, right? Amen, I'll say it for you, amen, all right? And so, but I, what I want you to see is that you can make a difference in 2023. You really can. And you've always been able to do it ever since you've been saved. You can make a difference. Look here with me in verse 2. Notice what it says. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the, out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. I want you to see none of this in this story might have happened without the little maid. You say, Brother Ed, I'm not very much. I, I, I you know, man, I, I just worked my job. I'm retired. I've done whatever. I come to church. I go home. I've got, I leave a simple life. I understand. I understand. But God has used a lot of little things, amen, to make a big difference in people's lives. Isn't it, isn't it the littlest member that, that does the most damage? Amen. Is it not so? Weren't there some four little creatures that were in the Bible there in the book of Proverbs chapter 30? The Bible says they were exceedingly wise. Four little creatures. That means we ought to take note. We ought to take a look at them, even though they were little. It was a little boy's lunch. We talked a little bit about that in Sunday school. It was a little boy's lunch that fed 5,000, had 12 baskets left over. So don't, don't say that just because you're little that God can't make a difference with you. That's just a, an excuse. Do you know what an excuse is? Some clever fellow said this one time, brother. He said, an excuse is nothing more than the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. Mm -hmm. In other words, the reason's pretty thin, all right? Pretty thin. But she was a captive. Here she is in a strange land with a strange language amongst a people with strange ways. And she's a little maid. And, you know, and, and, you know have you ever wondered why uh, God left you here after he saved you? Man, I mean, in his power and in his mercy, he could have just whisked us away on the day when we trusted Christ as our Savior. But he didn't do that. He didn't do that. The answer to this is plain. You and I are here to be ambassadors for Christ. Yeah. We're representing another country. That's what an ambassador is. I, I met a woman who... Uh, in Jamaica, who in her lifetime, in her, in her young adult life, she was retired now, but when I met her there in Jamaica, she, had, she was responsible when uh, Jamaica got its independence in the 50s or so, she was responsible for going to other countries and traveling in the world and establishing uh, ambassages in all these other countries. And she came to New York City and, uh, and she was going to be there at, uh, later on, you know, it was going to be at the uh, United Nations, and she went into a restaurant, and they refused to serve her because she was black. 
And, uh, you know, even in New York City, things happen. But my point is, but she was a dignitary, and she was there representing her country. And she had to tell them, said, you will serve me. I get served at home, and you will serve me. And by golly, they did. Amen. She told them who she was. That changed everything, all right? I'm just saying that God left us here with a job to do. We're ambassadors for Christ. And we ought to be mindful about that, all right? And so Peter said, we are strangers and pilgrims. We are strangers and pilgrims. I mean, do, do you think that she just wanted to be there? The Bible says she was taken captive. That means it was against her will. And I know that we're getting sort of crowded and more crowded and more crowded, but we've not, we've not resisted sin unto blood yet. We talk about, yea, all that live godly in Christ are going to suffer persecution. Gosh, I, I, man, if you've really suffered persecution, see me after church and you can sign my Bible. Amen. We probably haven't endured very much for the cause of Christ. We haven't. Now, I'm not saying that day won't come. Seems like it's on the horizon. But nonetheless, we hadn't got there yet. The Bible says, we, Peter said, we are strangers and pilgrims. A stranger is someone that doesn't have a home, and a pilgrim is someone who's on his way home. And we're just passing through is what we're doing. And while we're here, we're representing a king and a kingdom. Paul wrote and said that we have our conversation is in heaven. In other words... What is that? That's our whole manner of being. It's in heaven. We're already seated there in heavenly places according to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm already there. Did you know that? And if you've been saved by the grace of God, so are you. You're already there seated in heavenly places in Christ. What a blessing that is. What a blessing. And you and I, we need to be convinced about that. Like this little girl was convinced. Notice what, it's, now notice what it says. Look there with me in verse 3. Notice. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria. Now, what is that in your King James Bible? What is that little, uh, you English majors that are out there, what's that punctuation mark right after the word Samaria? That's an exclamation point. That tells me, not only, not only she, she understood she was a captive, but she also, if you will, she was convinced. That's what that tells me. She was convinced about what would happen. I mean, I mean, I, I'm a, you know, I even think the maps are inspired. All right, in the King James Bible, we're, you know, we believe that for a lot of biblical reasons. We believe that under sound reasoning, why our King James Bible is the Word of God today for us in the English-speaking people. And that that little exclamation point, the Holy Ghost put that there because that's what her feelings were about the situation. She was convinced that if he could just get to the man of God in Samaria, by golly, he could take care of that problem. He could do it. I mean, look. Have you ever wondered about sometimes about our, our lack of enthusiasm? You know, I mean, and, and listen, we're not selling anything. When I go over here and I visit or I knock doors or when you're, we're not selling anything. We don't have anything to sell. We're trying to give something away. That's what we're trying to do. But, uh, but you know, uh, you heard about that guy, you know, he said, man, he go to the door. Well, you don't want to buy nothing from me, do you? Uh, you know, I, I don't want to be like that. That's not how we're supposed to be. And it doesn't mean that we got a Disney World smile all the time. But you and I, we ought to be convinced about what the Lord Jesus can do in the life and heart of a believing sinner. Right. Are we convinced about that? And you have to ask yourself about that. I mean, you know, sometimes, 
You know, there, there was a, a woman who had a husband and she was praying for him, praying for him, and man, that he would get saved. And boy, when he got saved, when he finally did get in, get saved, boy, he started coming Sunday morning, Sunday night. Then he wanted to go to Sunday school and he started doing that, coming on Wednesday night. Man, I mean, he just became a regular. He was just soaking it up, you know. And, and, and you know, and I mean, the wife came to the preacher and she said, you know, I wanted him saved, but not that saved. There's always somebody out there, well, you know, well, you know, I was like you at one time. I remember when I was like that. Man, there's enough wet blankets out there, amen. We don't want to be that way. We want to encourage him. You know, maybe I, he, he, there was a guy, he's gone home to be with the Lord. His name was Jim Adams. Debbie knows who I'm talking about. Man, he'd been an old drunk and got saved. He had a little pickup truck and uh, and he would drive around, had a little camper shell on that over there in, in, the, in the New Caney, Conroe area. And had a little sign up on there, and it was Christ is the answer, or Jesus saves, I think is what it was. And everywhere he went, man, he had tracks. He was talking with somebody, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. You know what I mean? And we had him in church one time, and man, he testified, just going about the goodness of God, and where he was, and what he brought him from. You know, and people would be kind of looking like, oh my gosh, that guy's a little strange. Is he ever going to be quiet? Is he ever going to get done? And all that kind of stuff. You know, aren't, aren't we going to be disappointed if we get to heaven and find out that that behavior was normal? And how we are around other people is actually abnormal. I don't want it to be that way. And I don't want to be foolish. I, you know, I'm not trying to make a spectacle. I'm not going to stand out on a street corner here and carry a sign and preach it, you know, holler at cars going by. I mean, a dog does that, doesn't it? Bark, 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 you know. But I do want to have an answer for them when I meet them. And, you know, and I, I, it bothers me that Jehovah's Witnesses have got a little place there inside the mall here in the little mall and they set up stuff that that bothers me and i'm trying to figure out a way i'm trying to figure out something that i can put my materials in and put it on a little display and i'm going to come sit right next to them <laughs> amen i'm not trying to be ugly but by golly somebody ought to be there to help balance out that error that's jehovah's false witness didn't paul tell timothy don't be ashamed of the gospel yes, sir. it really does work I mean, look at you. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I, I man, I, I had to get saved. I needed to get saved, all right? And listen, the, the, listen, I don't want my lack of enthusiasm to be a hindrance to somebody else. I don't want to be guilty of that. Just like, just like you know, as preachers, brother, we never want to misrepresent the Lord to someone. Boy, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. You know, you know, we, and we, we've got to be like, you know, do you understand their condition? Just like here, Naaman looked pretty good on the outside, but on the inside he had something that was eating him up. And you know what leprosy is? It's a disease that's in the blood. It manifests itself, but it's an illness that's in the blood. And underneath it all, he was a leper. And he wasn't going to get better on his own. And so what you and I, we, we have to see people in their true condition. I mean, woe unto us if we think that some human solution is what they need. I've got kinfolk that way. The book of 2 Timothy says in chapter 3, it says, having, the form, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Man, when they've had a family member that was a drunk, they said, well, he just needs to go to a 12-step plan. No, he needs the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, yes. uh, well, he, he's got some men. He needs to have an evaluation. No, he needs to get in the house of God and hear the word of God preached. Yes. 
What about that demoniac of Gadara there in Mark chapter 5? Wasn't he, the Bible says he was naked, cutting himself. No man could bind him. But when he got saved, what was he doing? Man, he was clothed. He was sitting at the feet of Christ. And the Bible says he was in his right mind. Listen, if you believe that two men and women, or correction, two men belong together in a home and adopt children, you need to have your mind fixed. If you think two women ought to have that and do all this kind of stuff, and tra listen, your mind is not right. not because your thinking's not right as a man thinketh in his heart so is he tells me your heart's not right mm -hmm. she was convinced man you remember that man that Jesus touched there in Mark chapter 8 he says you know the Lord set up a drugstore in the middle of the road said he took that spit and that made clay and put it on that man's eye said what do you see mm -hmm. and he said I, I see men walking about as trees the Lord gave him a second touch. And he said, man, I see all men clearly. And it might be that, you know, sometimes we think about, I see men as trees. It just means they're always there. They're perfect. They're flourishing. You know, even this tree out here, as majestic as it is, as beautiful as it is, you know, one day it may die. Some bug, some whatever might get it, attack it, and it dies. It may not always going to be. It might have been out here for hundreds of years. I don't know. But men are not going to be here like trees. Right. I've preached funerals where the coffin is that long and where the coffin is this long. No one knows how long they're going to be here. And your friends, you don't know how long they are going to be here. And the people that you know. It's more than, it's more than just saying, you know, uh, do you go to church? Do you want to come to church? It's, it's got to, you got to dig a little deeper. Yeah. you got to probe a little more. Uh, you know, uh, I, I learned a little bit of Spanish. You know, one of those things was, you know, Necesito Cristo en su corazón. It's necessary to have Jesus in your heart. And those people would say, oh, see, see. And I said, cuando? That means when. And they went like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, if I would have just gone with the, if they, you know, agreeing with God is not the same thing as believing God. Right. We sing the songs of Zion, but do we tell the world about the God of Zion? A track is a good thing. Now listen. She was a captive. She was convinced. I want you to look, I want you to look down there. Look at verse 3 with me again. And she said unto her mistress. Who's she talking to? Her mistress. I believe she's talking to Naaman's wife, don't you? I don't think, I don't think I'm giving light where the Bible does it. The Bible says that she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress. I would say that that refers right back to the wife. And this little girl, this little maid, you know, she was not only a captive and she was not only convinced, but this little girl cared. She cared. Can you imagine, you know, when you're around a leper, I don't know, I, I was a friend of mine, Brother Tommy Tillman, he's gone home to be with the Lord. I don't know if you knew him or not, brother, but I mean, a, gosh, just a marvelous missionary. A missionary to lepers in Thailand, spilled over into Vietnam and actually wound up in Mongolia. With lepers, because the countries don't know what the governments don't know what to do with these people. Brother Tommy did; he knew what to do. He preached to them, man. One of the things that they would that they loved about him is that he would eat with them. That was one of the ways that they would tell whether or not a missionary was real or not, true or not. They'd push with that fingerless hand, that stump, and push that plate out to him that they had prepared, and he would eat it. And he would be with them for months at a time, and he'd come home, and he'd have to take extra vitamins, and he would do some things to maintain his health. But Brother Tommy died, I think, nearly. 
somewhere between 80 and 90 years of age and faithful all the while, establishing churches and seeing people saved. Why? Because he cared. He cared about, about those for whom there is no care. And this little girl, she cared. Do you think she wanted to be there? I mean, when she heard that the Syrians were coming, you think she just said, oh, got her little handkerchief out. Hey, I'm over here. Oh, I'd love to travel. Oh, I got my bags all packed, man. Come take me, take me, please take me. No, she didn't do that. That means, you know, captive means she was there against her will. If there was anyone that had a reason to hate name it, it could have been, man, I'm just, oh, Oh, did you lose your finger? Oh, well, gee, I'm sorry about that. You know, that's going to happen again and again. Ten times it's going to happen at least. You're going to lose all your fingers. Then we're going to work on your toes. I mean, you know, can you imagine? If anybody had a reason to hate somebody, it would have been that little girl. But she looked upon Naaman's wife. Probably that little girl had hopes and dreams of being married one day. Maybe she'd had an arranged marriage. And now that's not going to be fulfilled. Maybe she had her heart set on someone. And now that someone's gone out of her life. Forever. All her plans were laid aside. But she was in the right place at the right time. For the right reason. She cared. She cared. We could understand it if she wished for Naaman's death. But that's not the case. I think she saw the look of despair upon the wife of her master. You know, when you're around a leper, you can't really hug on them. You can't really love on them because you're going to get what they've got. I've watched those little children in the leper colony. I've watched them. You know, they look healthy. They are. But we know that just by their exposure to them day in and day out and nursing and so, that they themselves are going to grow up and contract the leprosy. And within those colonies, they have children. The children born to them are going to get... It's just a vicious cycle of contagion that takes place. And she saw the despair of that woman's face. Every day we pass by people that have empty looks. They're all looking for something to fill a void. That's in there. Listen, life is not easy. It's hard. And, and, I, and, and listen, I think to some measure it's intended that way in an effort to help crowd us to the Savior. Every day we pass by those who have no hope, but we have the answer and we must not keep silent. Solomon said this, if thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain, if thou say we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth he, does he not know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? There are people that we rub elbows with. And you can be friends. I, I, you know, Jesus was a friend of sinners. I, I think that's a wonderful... I, listen, I'm not a preacher about isolation. We're to be insulated, but not isolated. We're in this world, but not of the world. And God left us here. And Jesus Christ was a friend of sinners. And we need to look for opportunities where, where we can minister to people who are down and out and who, you know, and you might be inconvenienced, but so what? I mean... 
you think the Lord was inconvenienced just a little to come here for us? What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou should visit him? The psalmist wrote, man, we're nothing. We're insignificant, but you came anyway. Man, thank God he did. I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip. I'm just trying to say and help you that if God can use that little girl, he can use you. She wasn't out knocking on doors. She was just dealing with one person at a time. She cared. She cared. She cared. And then verse 3. I want you to see that she contributed. She contributed. Look at verse 4. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. Now watch. Being her owner, Naaman probably could have had her put to death. I mean, he did have the power of life and death. He owned her. She was his master. Some people say, you know, and in spite of the possible outcome, she opened her mouth. Some people feel like, well, I'm afraid I'm going to offend the person. Let, let me help you with something. If you're living the life, and I'm, I'll just cut to the chase. They probably already don't like you. Did you ever consider that? Now, and what I mean is, I mean, they, they, you know, they can stand so much of you, but when you, but if you're using the Bible in your conversation or they say, man, that reminds me of something, boy, of something we heard or something I read. Did I ever tell you about that? And blah, blah, blah. You know, that would be like, okay, okay, okay. You know, can we talk about something else? Yeah, we could talk about hunting. Boy, the Lord, he, you know, he provides the deer I prayed and he sent me one. They're going to be like, man, you know, the, you know, the old saying, man, they're so heavenly minded. They're no earthly good. But I've never met anybody like that. I've only been around people that are so earthly minded, they were no heavenly good. Amen. And my point is, is that where are you going to push them? Are you going to push them to hell number two? Right. Let's be like the little mate. I mean, you can, you can make a difference. You really can. You really can. It just boils down to, you know, the scripture says in the book of Proverbs in chapter 27 that of faithful are the wounds of a friend. Yeah. If you have a lost friend and they are your friend and you have not asked them and have not talked with them, then I'm just going to say shame on you. You've got to go a little deeper. If you're really a friend, a friend loveth at all times, the Bible says. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loveth at all times. And that means, that means if you're rid of their friend, you're going to take the time. Hey, you know, after I got saved, my mom picked us up at the airport in Nashville and we barely got our luggage and I was just so new to Christianity. I, you know, we got, we got in that, we got in one of that, that Plymouth or whatever it was, uh, Valari, station wagon that my mom had debbie sitting in the back seat i got my german short-haired pointer in the back and my guns and everything coming from alaska we got in there and i barely said hi mom glad to see you. and i said mom tell me what you think about the blood of jesus christ i wanted to know if my mom was saved i mean when you got saved didn't you talk to your family members didn't you isn't that what the lord told the demoniac he said man the demoniac said i want to go with you and he said no i want you to go home to your family and friends and tell them what great things God had done for you. 
But I didn't know any better. Listen, when I got saved, I didn't own a Bible. I remember hearing about the first, I remember hearing about Brother the Virgin Birth after I'd gotten saved. And, and I, I was so excited. We were sitting in there at Moose Creek Baptist Church and Brother Allen was teaching on this. And man, something on the inside said, get up and run. <laughs> now I didn't, but I was so excited. I said, man, God is so smart. Look what he did a virgin birth. That, that's the reason why Jesus could be the sacrifice. Listen, I didn't have to know all that on the day when I got saved, when I understood that I was a sinner and that he was the Savior. Right. But man, it was exciting for me on the inside, son. That was truth. The Holy Spirit said, that's true. That's right. That's right. Man, it meant something. And when I saw my mom, I didn't know where she was going or what church. I said, Mom, what does the blood of Jesus mean to you? And she's like, what? What What, what are we talking about? You know? And I said, man, I, I just want to know, Mom. I'm not trying to be the hero here. I'm just saying in my, I had more zeal than knowledge. All right. But I never want to get over the fact that, man, that he saved me. We should never get over that. Listen, Mary couldn't hide the fact that she was with child. And neither should we be able to hide the fact that we are with child. With the, Holy, with, with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Holy Spirit. We ought not to be able to hide that. And so I'm just saying, man, that, that we, we have something that we can do. And we need to be about our, do our best to be about our Father's business. To do our level best at that. I, I don't think that you have to be a walking, talking Bible encyclopedia. Listen, there are ways that, have you ever thought about writing a letter to your loved one? Share your testimony with them. Put it down on paper. Send it in the mail. You know, writing anymore. And I'm not talking about email. I'm talking about writing a letter. You remember that stuff we called it? Manuscript? Was it cursive? Not cursed, but cursive. That's how Debbie and I, that's how Debbie first learned about the gospel in part was because she had an aunt that wrote a letter and that letter made it 5,000 miles up to six and a half mile Badger Road in North Pole, Alaska. And we got that letter. And in there was Aunt Audrey's testimony about how the Lord Jesus had saved her. And that letter was passed around through the family. She wrote them to all her family members. You know, it just takes a little time to say, I love you. I've been thinking about you and I'm praying for you. This is what happened to me. And I just want to tell you about what the Lord did for me. You don't have to, you don't have to be a, a, a Longfellow or a, a Ralph Waldo Emerson. Just tell them about what the Lord did for you. That, that's, what, that's what testifying is. That, that's all that is. What did the Lord do for you? Send a letter. I, yes, you know, you can put tracks out. Man, we got tracks back there. Buku of them. Grab a handful in the places you go. Brother, put one in the bill. When you mail the letters, Put one in the bill and send it. That person reading that mail might get it. You never know what will happen. Right. When you're in town, I, put some out, man. I put. Some, I, I went to where the you know where the shelf is empty. That means people are buying those things. You know, there's more than one way to use that stuff. What goes on in the grocery store, right? So we were there yesterday. So I found some. It looks like this looks like a popular item people get. So I stuck me a track right there, and then I put one in another place. I mean, yeah. You don't have to be seen. It's not about making a name for yourself. It's just about be a sower of the word. Sow it, sow it, sow it. 
When you go to the laundromat, man, I go in there. Man, somebody might be watching from here. Maybe get in trouble, but I don't care. Listen, when I used the laundromat over here, when our camper was away being worked on, I'd go in there. I'd collect up all the seventh-day disadvantaged stuff. I'd get all the all the all the all the Jehovah's false witness things. I would just politely pick them up and I'd go put them in my truck. And then I'd come back out and put a John and Romans in there, put some gospel tracts, put some of the truth in there for those people that are there. You can do that. You can do it. Yeah. It just depends on your wonder. And, and listen, and there's nothing wrong with just being face-to-face -face talking with somebody. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Debbie got me a, 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 a U.S. Air Force veteran hat so that I could wear that. You know, whenever I see a veteran in there, I always walk up to him and I say, man... And thank you for your service. What branch were you? If it doesn't say what branch were you in or whatever, I use that. I use that as a point of contact. Hey, I'm a veteran, blah, blah, blah. I was in this is what I did and so forth. And then, man, I'm going to bring it around. Hey, man, you know, do you know the Lord? Use it. You don't have to be a genius. You don't have, you know, you say, well, gosh, I, I just can't. You can. You say, I can't talk to me. You do. You talk to us every week. And I heard you all singing. Did you, did you ever think about going through H-E-B and just amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Doesn't, the, doesn't done what the, one of the evidences of the filling of the Spirit is that speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You said, yeah, to yourself. Okay, but sometimes, did you, did you ever have one of them spells where you just get the can't help it? Now, all we got to do is pick up a measure of, let me see, you don't have to pick up a measure of something that uh, that Fleetwood Mac sang or that Floyd Kramer wrote or whatever. And man, you can immediately go back to a time and a place and a smell. You can go back to all that stuff. But what about the gospel hymns? I'm just trying to give you some ideas about how to do this. And you can do it. And it's not about making a name. It's not about to be seen. It's, it's none of those things. It's about trying to introduce a lost world to the best friend they could ever have. That little girl did that. And God recorded it here. And man, can you imagine what a... You know, can you imagine what a difference that made? Think about all those men that were having to follow Naaman around. They were in close proximity to him. They were probably thinking, man, I'm going to get this too, just like him. Just by being in here, though I'm, on the, though I'm on the general staff, I may not be here long. I might be getting this. Don't tell them what's going to happen to me. Can you imagine? You know, he went down that water once, twice, three. He's going to have to go seven times. Can you imagine their surprise? I bet you, you know what? I'm not trying to give light where the Bible doesn't, but human nature is such, you know what? When he came up out of that water the seventh time and he was clean like a little child, I bet they ran down in the water too. I, bet, I just bet they went down there. Oh, General, I, there was excitement. Can you imagine what it was like when he got home? Listen, these are not two-dimensional characters we're reading, but these were real people. Had real feelings. And I don't know, but... Maybe things improve for the little maid. Maybe she got Thursdays off from now on. I don't know. But I, but I, I don't suspect that life was exactly the same for her as it was afterward. I'll close with this. Now, this is a true story. There was a missionary.
who was serving in Africa about the same time that Teddy Roosevelt, President Teddy Roosevelt, had been in Africa on safari. This missionary comes home, lands in New York, comes into the harbor there, is weary from his journey, from sailing, and uh, is soon fast asleep in his room. And somewhere in the early morning hour, he is awakened by the sound of a band and cheering crowds and all kinds of stuff going on. And he opens his window and he looks outside and, and here is like a band and all these people are gathered here. And he looks off out into the harbor and here is coming a ship. And it dawned on him. He remembered that he had heard that Teddy Roosevelt was on his way back from Africa, having been on safari. And there are all these people, fanfare, banners, and people cheering at his return. And, you know, he just got, he just had a little, a little pity party for just a moment, you know. And he said, Lord, I've been serving in Africa and fever and malaria and threats of men and all these things and I've come home on furlough and no one greeted me here like that. And he said he hadn't gotten very far at the end of that thought when the Lord spoke to his heart and said, well, son, you're not home yet. Roosevelt's coming home, but you're not home yet. And you know what, beloved? We, you know, like those oxen, they get in that yoke and they pull and it's designed in such a way that they can't see over their shoulder. They can't really tell how big the load is that they've been carrying. It's not until they take that yoke off and they look around and see. And that's how it's going to be when we get there. You'll be able to see. Be faithful, beloved. We can make a difference in 2023. The Bible says in Psalm 92 that the, when they're in their old age, hmm, that's us, in case you hadn't looked in the mirror. Said they'll bear fruit in their old age. One plants, one waters, mm -hmm. but it's God that gives the increase. If we don't plant and we don't water, there won't be a harvest. If you observe the winds and clouds, like Ecclesiastes said, if you're looking for the perfect opportunity, there's never going to be one. We have to do it now. Well, we have to do it now. You know, Jesus said, "No man can." The night cometh when no man can work. We got to do it now. I don't know how much longer we're going to be here. Uh, brother Martin's going to tell me at lunch how long we're going to be here. He's got all that figured out, don't you, brother? You, you helped write that book, Eighty-Eight Reasons Why He's Coming in 1988. I remember that. But, uh, but my point is, we don't know. Right. It might be three thousand and twenty-three before the Lord Jesus comes. I don't know. But I just know that we have a job to do while we're here. Let's be like the little maid. Let's be about our father's business. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Sis, come to the, will you come to the piano? We'll have an invitation. The invitation is simply this. It's an opportunity to respond to the Holy Spirit's leading. That's all it is. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not, uh, not going to come back and get that. I just want you to mind the Holy Spirit this morning. Father, thank you so much. For the precious word of God. Thank you Lord for the testimony of this little maid. Thank you for recording it for us. Thank you for naming Lord. He's there waiting on us. And all the things that he has seen. Father I pray that you'll. Stimulate the hearts. The consciences of our people Father. 
God, that we might be faithful to do what you've called us to do. Oh, Lord, help us to be men and women who have influence, and only you can allow that in our nearness to you, Lord, to have influence. I pray, Father, you'll bless, and that might be fruit for our labor. Lord, you don't bless fruitfulness, you bless faithfulness. So help us, Father, just to be faithful about what we should be doing. I love you this morning. I love these dear saints. God, thank you so much for them. They are faithful, Lord. This is just another area where we can exercise, that we can do some things. Help now, Father, in this invitation. If there's one here that doesn't know you, Lord, not assured, not settled, God, that, then let that get settled this morning. I pray, Father, that your will would be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.